I've been leading the church through the study on Exodus during the evening service. It just seemed like a natural after we did a study on Joseph and how the Lord elevated him. Today we're talking about facing our future, but I think we're going to be able to identify with these Israelites in these pages. Look with me, if you will, at the 16th chapter of Exodus. The first few verses say, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread for heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Well, here we are, facing our future. You know, when tonight I'm going to be preaching on the 15th chapter, the previous chapter, but we're going to be talking about the Lord and why we praise Him and how we praise Him, etc., but you know, when I look at that, here we have the, the Israelites have been spared from the ten plagues that God gave Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And now the Egyptian army, 600 chariots plus, and all of the foot soldiers were pursuing this one and a half to two million Israelites across the Red Sea. And God parted the waters and the Israelites walked across on dry land. What a phenomenal miracle. It's in everything that the Jewish mind is even attempting to consider. And yet, as the the Egyptian army pursued them, God closed the waters over the army and drowned all of them without exception. The Bible says the Jews walked around the seashore and they were looking at all of these dead bodies, all these dead Egyptians lying there. And then chapter 15 talks about how they were praising God. And there was Miriam. It ends up with Miriam, Aaron's sister, there with her tambourine and leading a contingency of women and praising and songs and dancing. And what a great time it was. Huh. Then they had three days journey from that point. After all this partying, three days journey from that point into their next stop. They were thirsty. Well, the first thing I want you to see is that God tests us. You look back in chapter 15. The Bible says, verse 22, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Now, Mama and the kids and even the dads are unhappy with this. Because they have run out of water. Three days to be thirsty is a long time. So there was grumbling to be sure. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. The word Mara means bitter. So they couldn't drink the water. It's like the old 
uh, poem, Water, Water Everywhere and Not a Drop to Drink. That was it. It was all bitter. It was not palatable. It was not tasteful. It was just not something that they wanted to receive. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Moses cried out to the Lord. The Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water. The water became sweet. So God tests us. The Lord tests us at times. You'll find some of your greatest tests come right after some of your greatest victories, some of your greatest positive memories. You've had this experience in a retreat setting, in a Bible study, with a, with a miraculous healing of a particular malady or disease that you're experiencing. And then all of a sudden, a few days later, there's this, this great test that comes your way. Well, this is what happened to the children of Israel. After all that partying and dancing and celebration and victory dance and all of these things, three days later, they're grumbling. Why, Lord, did you do this? Why would you bring us here? So God tests us. The Lord tests us to encourage our spiritual growth and to bring out the best in us. It was that great basketball coach of UCLA, John Wooden, that said athletics doesn't develop character. It reveals it. And that's the way it is with you and I in our lives that we come to this time of testing by God. God doesn't need to know who we are because He already knows who we are and what we're all about. He knows our character. He knows our substance. But He brings us to these times of testing to demonstrate to us where our strength and our weaknesses lie. We have these strengths when we rely on Him. I don't know what you're facing today, whether it's uh, tests that are have proven that there is something that needs to be taken care of, Perhaps it's cancer. Perhaps it's some other uh, illness. Perhaps you've got financial difficulties. Whatever the case might be, God has brought us to this point for the purpose of not revealing to Him who we are, but to reveal to ourselves who we are. And then to give us that cause or that opportunity to rely on Him. You see, the Lord tests us to encourage our growth. And to bring out the best in us. God tempts no man, the Bible says. Satan, on the other hand, our adversary, tempts us to bring out the worst in us. God tests us to develop our character, to develop our strengths, to to hone us and fashion us into that vessel that he wants us to become. On the other hand, Satan tempts us to tear us down, to keep us from becoming what he knows God expects us to be. So there's this time of testing. We fight it. We have these issues. Phillips Brooks said, Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your task. And so here is God making us into the person He wants us to be. This refiner's fire. We see it not only in verse 25 of chapter 15 where the Bible says God is testing us. There the Lord uh, gave a decree and a law for them and he tested them. In chapter 16 verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread for heaven from you, the people to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And then in verses 26 and 27, 
of chapter 16, God says, So six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. So God tested the people of Israel. He tests you and I. He does it all the time. But look at the the next thing, our response. Oh, my goodness gracious. They grumbled and they complained. Look at verse 24. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? And they complained because they looked back and lost their focus. They said in chapter 16, they grumbled. Verses 2 and 3. In the desert, the whole community grumbled. The whole community. Can you imagine? It's uh, being a leader of close to 2 million people. And hearing the whole community grumbling. Oh, you hate to walk through those people. Oh, there's Moses. There he goes. He's the one that brought us into this mess. It's all Moses' fault. We don't have water. We don't have food. And by the time you hit the 16th chapter, you notice that he says on the 15th day of the second month. In other words, it was about 30 days that they had come out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and they were out of provisions. They had enough food for a month. Now they're out of provisions. Now they're grumbling because not only is water getting scarce, but now they're hungry. And you can imagine, you grumble when you're hungry. So they grumbled and they complained. In verse, they said, if we had only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Oh, I hate whining. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death oh my goodness had we not only been back in egypt forget the fact they were slaves forget the fact that they were being killed literally in their the work of the men in their slave functions forget all of those things what happens to us is we start looking back we take our eyes off of jesus We start focusing on yesterday's memories and they always become more comfortable than today's reality. You know that. They took their eyes off the Lord. We grumble in February because October was so enjoyable. You know? Two years from now, we're going to think today's experiences were the good old days. Think about that. But we sit around and we take our eyes off of Jesus and we begin to grumble. And the Bible says they grumbled over the manna from heaven. The Jews wanted steak, but all they had was liver. Uh, I know a lot of you love liver. You're not looking at one of them, I'm telling you. So we see where God provided for them. And yet, they grumbled. He provided the water. He provided the, the food, the nutrition for them. And yet they grumbled. Because it was not what they expected. Some years ago, there was a children's song that I came to enjoy. And it was called the Grumbler Song. Thoreau Harris wrote it. And the lyrics go like this. In country, town, or city, some people can be found who spend their lives in grumbling at everything around. Oh, yes, they always grumble no matter what we say. For these are chronic grumblers. And they grumble night and day. They grumble in the city. They grumble on the farm. They grumble at their neighbors. They think it is no harm. 
They grumble when it's raining. They grumble when it's dry. They grumble all the year round. Yes, they grumble till they die. Grumble on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Grumble on Thursday too. Grumble on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Grumble the whole week through. They grumble at their husbands. They grumble at their wives. They grumble at their children. It's their way of life. They grumble at their parents. They grumble in their schools. They grumble at their teachers. They grumble at all the rules. The grumbling song. Well, the Israelites knew it, verse and chapter. They were grumbling. They spent their entire time out in the desert, for the most part, grumbling because they focused on a an illusion that existed in the past and not on what the Lord was accomplishing through them in the present and into the near future. Well, here is what God does. And then we find our response. We have an opportunity to respond to God with praise and glory and honor and thankfulness. And they didn't do that. Look at verse 8. So as we continue on, Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when He gives you meat to eat in the morning and all the bread you want, meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because He has heard your grumbling against Him. God hears it. He hears it in our hearts even when we don't voice it. He hears the grumbling in our hearts against Him. Because Moses says, Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. This grumbling has nothing to do with me or Aaron, Moses said. It's not your leadership. It's you. It's not because of your circumstance, because you should rise above it. It's because of the fact that we have taken our eyes off the Lord. And I, you know, I'm a part of of you. I have spent my time grumbling as well. But I also understand that my grumbling is not against any individual here on this earth or any circumstance or situation. It's ultimately my lack of gratitude toward the Lord. All I want is comfort, God. That's what I want. I want a church that, that just caters to me. I want, I want my seat. I want my desires to be known. I want what I want when I want it. And when I don't get it, that's right, I grumble. Because after all, I'm looking for a, a cruise line and not a battleship. I want a country club membership, not church. What is this? And I continue to grumble. And we have that attitude in us that we're here for God to serve us instead of for us to serve in Him, regardless of the circumstance. Keep in mind that our life consists of uh, 10% of what happens to us and 90% how we respond. The Israelites didn't do very good on that response area. Nor do we. Nor do you and I. We tend to look at things the way we want them. We fashion them the way we want them. We expect God to respond to us in a way that we enjoy. I could hear an amen from that one. But I'm probably not going to. So, here's God's blessings. Look at verse 25 of chapter 15. The Moses cried out to the Lord. The Lord showed him a piece of wood, threw it into the water. The water became sweet. In verse 27, look at that. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. These are date palms. 
and they camped there near the water. Oh, they ate dates. And they they drank all the water they wanted to. Do you think they were grateful in their heart? Probably not. But it's what we expected. Some of them would say, why not? We're supposed to be his people. Why should we have to have any inconvenience? Why should we have to have any discomfort? Why should we be in any form or fashion grateful for the situation here as they left the water? Well, I want to remind you of a time when Jesus was at the well. There came a Samaritan woman to draw water, high noon. And as Jesus was there, she was kind of perplexed because not only was he a man who didn't have contact with women that they weren't married to in public, but he was a Jew, and they had no contact with the Samaritans whatsoever. So, here Jesus said to her at the well, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, there it is. Well, then I look at chapter 16, verses 11 and following, and I see the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread, and then you will know that I am the Lord your God. I'm going to provide for you. It's not going to be steak, but it will be healthy. It will be nutritious. You'll have this manna for 40 years in the wilderness. They didn't know it was going to be that long. But it was because of their disobedience that they were out there to begin with. And so the Bible says that evening the quail came and covered the camp. The morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, the flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. You know what manna means? It's a Hebrew of two words, two Hebrew words. You know how it translates? What is it? That's what manna means. What is it? So sometimes God provides for us in blessings and ways that we don't fully understand, nor can we define. So we just simply say, what is it? What's that experience? What's that situation? What's that relationship that God just put into my life? What is it? God, I I fully don't understand. I've not really seen anything like this before. And yet God says, but it's my provision for you at this particular time in your life. And there you are. Manna. What is it? Psalm 78 calls it the bread of angels. Well, we don't know exactly what it was. But they were told to go out and collect this on a daily basis. Because it would spoil each day. And so those that were lazy decided... I don't think we really need this bread. We'll get it tomorrow. Or maybe this afternoon. But the Bible says that it deteriorated during the day. So here, they were physically required to gather it, but only as much as they could eat. And so we continue reading on in here. He says, that evening quail came and covered the camp. The dew was gone. The flakes like frost appeared on the ground. They said, what is it? 
Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer. An omer is equal to about two quarts. Uh, for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered some much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much. He who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as they needed. And this happened. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. And this was to happen. This bread from heaven was to be given to them for 40 years each day of their lives. And nutritionally, it kept them alive. Well, now let me fast forward over here to John 6. The Bible tells us in John 6, beginning at verse 26, this is right after the feeding of the 5,000, the multitude, okay? And these people found him on the shore. And they Jesus answered, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. But what do you expect out of Jesus? Why do you come to him? What is it that, that you're expecting him to provide for you that you may or may not have now? Health? Prosperity? Good friends? What is it? Why do you come to Jesus? We all have personal reasons. Why did you come to Jesus? So Jesus said, you came to me because you're hungry again. You had your fill earlier. You expect the same from me. Do not work for the food that spoils, Jesus says, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they ask, what must we do to do the works God requires? Then Jesus answered, the work of God is this. Believe in the one in whom he has sent. Believe in Jesus. So they ask him, what miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers, here we go. Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. What is it? They still don't know. They're looking at the bread of life, but they don't know. They ate the bread in the desert. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Oh, is that a wonderful opening for Jesus? Jesus answered them and said, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life. To the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Jesus said, you still saying, what is it? So Jesus clarifies that what is it question. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I am the manna that came from heaven. He continues by saying, he who comes to me will never go hungry. 
And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. And I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but will raise them up in the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. Well, I want you to see something here. Obviously, they thought that manna was, what is it? This bread from heaven, who is Jesus Himself? Look at the next verse, verse 41. At this, the Jews began to... Grumble. The Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus? How can he now say I came down from heaven? So what does Jesus tell them in verse 43? Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. He says, I am the bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of this world. I am. He who feeds on this bread, he says, will live forever. This bread of heaven. There are so many people in the world right now that are staring right in the eyes of Jesus. And they don't understand Him. They don't know Him. They don't recognize Him. They just simply look at Him and say, what is it? And the Father is saying, it's manna. It's the bread from heaven that I give to you to quench all your hungers, all your desires, all your all your dissatisfactions will be changed. I find life in Jesus. You take this bread from heaven, Jesus Christ, and... What you drink won't be bitter. And when you participate in Him, you'll be satisfied, I'll promise you. I'd rather have Jesus than all of the silver and gold and lands and everything you can imagine. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. He's, if Jesus is all you have, folks, Jesus is all you need. He is the bread from heaven. Do you know this, Jesus? Are you still grumbling about something in your life that's not going in accordance with your desire, your plan, your will, your scheme of things? But you come to Jesus. And Jesus says, stop grumbling. Don't do it. Because you see, what grumbling is, is a lack of faith. And He wants us to trust in Him. Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you know Him today? Has He become real in your life? Have you participated in this bread from heaven? When we do the the Lord's Supper, it is that symbol of that bread from heaven and that, that water that became bitter and yet through Jesus' shed blood became sweet. Do you know Jesus? Have you begun to follow Him? 
Is He calling you to do something that, that you just keep grumbling about? You keep murmuring out there and you're wondering whether or not I should be honest and faithful in doing this, in discharging this responsibility. Do you know Jesus? He's the bread of heaven. He's the water. You drink from His well, you'll never be thirsty again. You eat this bread from heaven, you'll never have any kind of desires that won't be satisfied in ultimately and completely in Christ Jesus. So today we offer you this bread from heaven. Will you receive it? Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we just praise you for who you are and we thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for these decisions that are being made. I know there are those here today who are looking for you as the bread of heaven. They've come to the end of their line, perhaps. Maybe it's it's created a lot of grumbling in their hearts. And yet, Lord, you come that we might know you. Father, we thank you for giving us faith to receive you, for giving us enough courage to follow you. And thank you, Lord, because we serve a Savior that satisfies our every need. And there are those today who are looking for a church home, Lord Jesus. I pray that today, today, they will hear your calling and come into Trinity's family. And there are others who, through a prayer of rededication, have just looked at themselves and the Holy Spirit has said, it's time for you to stop grumbling, stop complaining, carping, and just come to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, this invitation is for us all. Be with us now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing the hymn of invitation. And I'll be here at the front to pray with you about any decision the Lord is leading you to make.